So I have watched something that it oh, feels not even to a me. hello. Not e- see, not even a hello. Just a kind of like, all right, I'm going to tell you something about me. Strap yourself in, and I'm going to tell <laughs> yeah. you something, lady. Sit down, little lady. <laughs> Do you know? Um, sorry, digression oh. straight up. I got so annoyed. I was at this book event um, at the Sydney Writers Festival, and I was having like a really interesting conversation with a young woman, and I was super engaged with it. And I could tell that there was this guy lurking around at the edge of the conversation and I was sort of I felt a bit conflicted and rude because I thought this guy's obviously waiting to say hello I'm I'm deliberately ignoring him because I'm so interested in this conversation and he's an older guy uh, I thought just just being rude so I said to the um, young woman that I was talking to oh sorry can you excuse me for two seconds? And I turned and I said, hello. And this guy just moved straight in and he said, oh, I read your quarterly essay. I'm very interested in your th- um, in, in what you wrote about, you know, about um, the, the management of young children. Because I've written this whole series about, you know, blah, 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 <sighs> and I concentrate on the work of blah, blah, blah. So he was like explaining to me something that I hadn't really written much about, but he was using my writing as a wedge to get into basically telling me what his area of expertise was. And he would not shut up. And then after a while, this young woman that I was talking to just sort of edged away. And I I, I didn't – I was super chilly to this guy and I just dead-batted him and eventually a friend of mine came and rescued me. But I regret to this day that I didn't just say to him – are you aware of what you've just done here and you are now monopolising this conversation? You're not asking me anything. You're just – and I didn't. I'm, I'm really shocked that me just going, hey, so I've got something I know, that's I triggered you. You've been <laughs> triggered. You've yeah, been completely I'm, triggered. I know. Quite, I, I did. Know. Look, one of my favourite things other than bastardising recipes that you've come up with <laughs> is watching when somebody, man or woman, sort of corners you and attempts to sort of – tell you something that they think you need to know or correct you on something that you've written or said or whatever. And it's a, it's I find it very, very enjoyable because you get, I mean, you're such a warm, friendly person, but every now and again you can get this chilly, this chill descends. And also because you're so smart and sharp, sometimes you'll be dissecting somebody and they're not aware of it, but I'm aware of it watching on. Oh, my God. It just, it it's just, it's so, so thrilling to watch. There was one time you were at a book signing and this dude came up and I forget what he said, but I was just in, I was just in just complete joy just listening to you sort of deal with him. There was another time we were at a, I won't go into the details, but we were at a public function and you were on stage after having been both of us schooled from the stage by somebody and you got up and filleted him so precisely. I just, I nearly had to leave the room because I was, I was sucking in my hysterics so badly and it was just, I felt like, like I had my hand across my mouth. It was so obvious that I was losing it in hilarity at your antics. Well, that is the, like the operational advantage you have with, I'm I'm surprised actually more blokes don't pick up on this because often at those big functions, it's the blokes will come up and, you know, tell you what what, what you've missed or what you don't understand is blah, blah, blah. If you're a person who has low self-awareness, you're massively vulnerable because... Anybody oh, with yeah. a certain amount of emotional range yeah, <laughs> just, like, right. absolutely chop you to bits. Well, that's why the people... They never see it coming. Yeah, that's right. That's why the, the people who are vulnerable <laughs> to attempting to sort of talk over others also are a bit impervious to when they realise that they're being so comprehensively filleted in response. So, anyway, it's just it's a great pleasure of mine. So, if it, 
people, the message here for anyone listening is if you see me and Annabelle Crabb in public and you've got anything you'd like to correct her on, please come up to us and do so because I find it extremely enjoyable and, and entertaining and I, and I greatly enjoy it. Although I do also sometimes on your behalf feel, and I, I feel like this sometimes with other friends too, I am... Uh, I feel like I get punchy on behalf of the person that's getting the difficult time. So I feel like I'm often reigning in my own tendency to want to be sort of aggressively abusive when actually I should just leave it to you because you do it in a much more much more intelligent and um, precise kind of a manner. Well, I'm um, just to entertain you, friend. So now could I, could I yeah, you can actually yeah. tell you yeah. what I was hoping to tell you? So I watched this thing that I feel like eight squillion people have told me I have to watch and that I'm sort of late to it even though it hasn't been on TV that long. Mayor of Easttown. Oh, okay. So this is Kate Winslet's yeah. new show where she plays Newish. a I mean, policewoman in uh, Pennsylvania, rural Pennsylvania, and there's um, a murder and some y- a young woman's gone missing and so she's sort of trying to work it out and she's got a sort of messy private life. It reminded me a bit of a British show I really like called Happy Valley um, oh. that I've talked about on this pod that I watched a while ago and Happy Valley is superb. In fact, I think I preferred Happy Valley to this. This show was great. Um, it the the way it's captured that kind of America. Um, that's a part of America I've spent a lot of time in, mm. and I thought it was so accurate. The sort of hardness of people's lives, and you know, mm. just sort of the, the sort of scrabble that you've got to constantly um, go through. And I think, frankly, without Kate Winslet, it just would have been a middling police procedural. I right. think Kate Winslet absolutely elevates it to something different. She's so superb and the woman who plays her mother and the way, the dynamic in their relationship is just absolutely fantastic. It's so, really great. So is it a – because keep in mind I have not um, watched one frame of this, but like Jeremy, while I've been, um, been sort of occupied doing late-night work – has watched, I think, all of it and okay. says it's absolutely superb. Oh, okay. Yeah, so um, is it the sort of thing that I would, if I got some time confined to my house, theoretically, um, would just sort of roll through and just yeah. binge watch? I watched it in like two days. Oh, yeah, right, it's only okay. six episodes, so oh, okay. maybe seven. All right. It's pretty easy I might get to get through. on that then. Yeah, it's, um, I, it wasn't like... For me, it wasn't like, say, the Bureau where I was like, well, yeah. I just can't do it. I just need to clear the diary because yeah. I have to watch this. But it was certainly held my interest. And, and as I say, like just watching Kate Winslet, I mean, she's just incredible, really fantastic. And do you know what I love about her? Just not just she looks so authentic, authentic mm. body, authentic face. She just looks like a proper person. And so, of course, she has the full range of emotion and stuff yeah. available to her in her face. So she's just really, really great. So, yeah, I do I do recommend that. I liked, right. liked it very much. Okay. Well, you know I like to let these things season for a bit. Like Exactly. That's right. Yeah. I feel in no position to point the finger after recently, you know, confessing I'd read Remains of the Day 25 I years know. after it won the book that prize. That was adorable. So. Um, I've been watching something quite new, actually. Yes. Um, it's um, a series called Physical, yeah, um, starring Rose Byrne. Um, yeah. I can't actually remember. I, Jeremy organised for me to view it, so I, maybe it's on Netflix. I don't know. It'll be in our show notes um, once we once somebody more competent than I gets to the bottom of this. But so it's look, it's a it's a sort of drama about this woman who she's um, married to an academic. She's got a little, little girl. He's um, running for parliament um, and he's a kind of like a hippie, a bit of a louche professor type, 
for whose easy charms she obviously fell a few years ago and now she's sort of in this marriage where, look, he's a bit of a dickbag. Um, <laughs> he's kind of, he takes her for granted. She has a fairly profound eating disorder. Mm. And so it is a kind of like, 80s let's get physical vibe she um, takes up aerobics and then becomes an aerobics instructor and so you get lots of visuals of Rose Byrne in these unbelievable leotards like it's like <laughs> it's like a you know um, a V&A exhibition of leotards oh, this wow. show like so it's quite Leg as well of the full thing okay, and the great. full like Good. shiny tights leotards that go up your bum like just the full aerobics high point. Can I just share a slight digression here? I'd, I, they... I'd hoped that you would actually <laughs> privately because I feel like the moment I said disappearing leotards up your bum, your eyes just flared with interest. So what does that, <laughs> so... what could that possibly mean? I don't know. Tell. <laughs> so, you know, I was listening to that podcast called Trashy Divorces. Yeah. And there's oh an God, episode yeah. about Olivia Newton-John as oh, previously established. Right. An angel. Okay. Um, <laughs> We're talking about the song Physical, which yeah. was a massive, massive hit when I was about eight years old. Right. Um, I only realised in that podcast, it dawned on me, it's not, that song's not about exercise. Oh, you thought it was about yeah. aerobics? Yeah, because oh. the film clip, she's in the exercise gear. Oh, you she's just in the got the double sexy I just meaning. Got, I only got it. because, Of course, because I was eight, that never dawned on me. And I haven't really thought much about, it's not like I've had that Ladies song Ladies and gentlemen, on my she's a trained observer. <laughs> As, as I was sort of humming the tune to myself as they're talking about the pod, I'm like, oh, yeah, right. That wasn't about going to the gym. <laughs> despite, oh the misleading, despite the misleading film clip. Oh, mate, I don't want to break the news to, to you about what the funky cold Medina is either. <laughs> what is the funky cold Medina? Oh, my gosh. I'm going to Google it while you keep talking. Yeah, don't. Really? <laughs> I've no idea. I'm just taking the piss out of you, mate. Um, Wow. Okay. Well, look, I mean, look, this show really is a kind of like 1980s flashback delight. Um, So, and Rose Byrne is just outrageously watchable. Oh, my God, you're not listening to me now. I'm looking up Funky Cold Medina. I I told you. sex, doesn't it? I told you I was going to. Yeah. Okay. It's a hip hop song. Everyone knows it, you know. He says, hello, dressed in yellow. Come sit next to me, you fine fellow. Okay. It came out in 1989. Um, we'll see what it's about. Okay, calling according to Flavor Flav, who is heard... Flavor Flav? What? <laughs> this is, this is, is worse than bronze. <laughs> who is heard using the phrase cold Medina a year earlier on It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. Mm-hmm. Cold Medina was one of his assertive affirmations throughout the 1980s and was adopted by label mates the Beastie Boys right. as a nickname for the cocktail known oh, as a, a fuzzy navel. Mm. Oh, oh wow, just, we're deep look, in the weeds. I was wrong. It's it not sex at all. It doesn't actually really, that doesn't make it clear to me what Funky Cobb Medina actually means. Sometimes the cigar is just a cigar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hang on. Funky Cobb Medina, Urban Dictionary. Let's look, look at this. Okay. In the video, Tone Loke demystifies the Funky Cold Medina when he points to a bottle of absolute vodka. Okay. <laughs> Though the concept of a Funky Cold Medina is generally a drink, not just pure vodka, it's made mm. by pouring one ounce, respectively, of absolute vodka, Southern Comfort and Blue... Is it, I've never known how to pronounce this word. Cur- Curaceo. Curaceo. Over think... ice and topped with cranberry juice. Oh, <laughs> so if you disgusting. wanted to know the correct context, you could say, <laughs> one beer for me and a Funky Cold Medina for the lady. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Do you ever get that feeling sometimes when we disappear up little um, creeks, they run out of water? 
<laughs> you think that's what's happened with the funky well, cold Medina? I, I always thought that it had some sort of erotic significance. It turns out it's just a weird drink, like I a see, blue drink. Here's another use of it in context for anyone that it? needs to understand them. I, mean, I set them up on a double date with us. At first, they were pretty quiet and awkward with one another, but a little funky cold Medina, and they got along great. Wow. Yeah. Well, I find that um, it's just. <laughs> It's really changed the way I refer to popular hotel chains because if I ever get a room booked in the Adina or the Medina, I'm like, it's the funky cold, Adina. It's a real shame. I've seen a lot of Adina apartments over my time at the ABC. It's a real shame that this conversation's not having a live having a live show because then we could walk off to Funky Gold. I know. Now you're developing a taste for making references to eighties music and then having the yes. sound person actually that was, scramble that made it my for heart you. So glad that the soundy at the Q Pack show did tee up the Bros song. Bros. Oh, let's not go I there say. again. Uh, um, that was really funny. And had you forgotten when the music came on? 100%. Had you forgotten? I had yeah, forgotten. Yeah, right. I knew. A- I knew it would be a gift later because I knew we would forget it and then it would come blaring. It's like out. hiding Everyone a little acorn. You know, it was, it was during, so good. Yeah. Now, um, um, how did we where get into were the funky we? Um, oh, we were just talking about leotards. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Physical Olivia Newton John. Back to the leotards. Right, yeah, yeah right. the show. So, but quite seriously, the really interesting structural thing about this series is that you're seeing her kind of undertake her daily life. She's kind of got the shits with her husband because, you know, he kind of takes her for granted the and ignores professor. her. And the way that she deals. Who's he played by? Oh, um, oh, I've forgotten his name. You've seen him in things. He's sort of pointlessly handsome. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, would, would you like to look it up? <laughs> yeah, I'll just yeah, carry on. I I'll knew I should have phone. written that down because um, uh, I'm low on detail. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, but what you start hearing is the soundtrack in her head. And so what you're seeing is her interaction at social functions or with her husband. Which one of those guys or with is it? Oh, who is it? Which one is it? Um, it's um, Rory Scovel. Okay. Scovel? Scovel. Yeah, Scovel. <laughs> Danny Rubin. Yeah. Um, there's some There's some great actors in it. Um, but, like, it's quite um, confronting because sometimes herself, like, her, her narrative inside her brain is so incredibly vicious towards herself. Right. How do you, so, how do you, how are you aware of that? You can hear it. You can hear her saying, oh. you fat bitch, you just want to, mm. like, grab that donut and cram it into your fat mouth. Like, it's – and because she is, like, it's so discordant and almost violent because you can hear this inner narrative that mm. this woman who is, you know, absolutely stick-thin to a, like, confronting degree is kind of – just training on herself and I think it's um y- you know it's it's texturally really thought-provoking mm. um, because she also turns it on other people like this is where it's kind of it's really hard to watch you know she's interacting with another woman and she's like checking out this woman's body and kind of you know critiquing it inside her brain mm. so like it's it's full-on um so it's got it's got this other layer, you know, uh, apart from just being a straight drama. I must say I find it really interesting and, you know, tough as well. Um, yeah, that sounds pretty and tough. And I'm enjoying it on the level of, you know, the the observation and the drama and then I'm, you know, I'm really interested in what the um, what the makers of it are, are trying to do with this sort of 
um, publication of the mm. most private thought track you could imagine and, you know, certainly things that lots of people would never admit to mm. thinking or saying about themselves or others. So, yeah. Do you want me to tell you what my private thought track's been while oh you've been God. saying that? <laughs> Mmm, donuts. I should get a donut on the way home. There's that grumpy donuts place on Bridge Bridge Road and they're really tasty. They've got those fat ones with custard in them. Oh, no, God. I can't. I've already had a lamington today. I've already had a lamington from Tokyo Lamington. I can't have a donut. That was what was going through my head. I'm just going to alert time. all donut outlets to catch you maskless, you know. I remember one of, the very early, one of the very early federal budgets I ever covered, my producer and I, who's one of my best friends and still is, um, we were both feeling... Oh, this would have been about 2007, 2008, both feeling massively out of our depth because, you know, the budget's complicated sure. yeah, and hard. It is complicated. And uh, we were... What is the difference between real GDP and nominal <laughs> GDP? <laughs> we uh, made a gag, which we still to this day do when we're talking about complicated things, which was we're looking at the budget papers and then they bring in some food at some point and one or the other of us went, mmm, donuts. <laughs> so that's just our, our go-to gag now. Well, okay, if I ever hear you mention donuts in it, you'll know I'm feeling out of my depth. depth. (laughs) Exactly. Creative diversion. (laughs) Exactly. Have you watched um, Holston? Yes. Okay, I've only watched two episodes, maximum three. Are you liking it? I am loving it. No, no, I mean, I've finished watching it. Oh, you've done it. I I smashed through it when I was really busy doing something else and I shouldn't really have been watching it but I was going through this phase we were just sort of finishing the series and I just couldn't switch my brain off and so I would get into bed and watch this series on Netflix just to because my brain couldn't switch off so I did a very foolish thing is to watch television in bed you know right and then I just sort of drop off in the middle of it and then kind of Pick rewind and yeah so what happened to me is mm. I think what sort of happened to you with the crown and mm. I suspect this is why I've only got two episodes in the people in it and the content in oh, it yeah. is so richly interesting yeah. that I constantly pause and then I spend an hour Googling Holston dresses, Holston yeah. frocks. Uh-huh. I got down a massive Liza Minnelli rabbit hole. Oh, and my gosh. all my gay male friends <laughs> were the beneficiaries of some great, <laughs> superb YouTube stuff of Liza. Because bizarrely, yeah. even though like, I tend to... Um, I love all those gay icons like Barbara Streisand sure. and all those people. I know you do, sweetie. Um, <laughs> I've never really got Liza Minnelli. She's a bit ahead of my sort of generation. And so but I. Cabaret. Oh my God. I've never seen Cabaret. <gasps> no. I know. Are you for real? Yes. I've not. <laughs> I know. I. C- my temperature has. Like my heart has just stopped. I know. How, I c- that, how have I not seen Cabaret? I don't know. I feel like we should stop talking and we sh- you should <laughs> seriously. I've seen bits of cabaret. I sort of but... dread who you'll become after you watch cabaret. Oh, really? To be honest, yeah. Well, I watched this number of Liza. Um, I forget what the song's called, but it's she's on stage with a bloke and it's about how she was having a hard time but now she has an afternoon pick-me-up with the postman or some tradie or whoever who comes right. to her house and they have sex every afternoon and they do a whole song and dance number about it. I sent it to Chris, who does my makeup right. for work, and just went, okay, if you need to – if if I don't know if you understand Liza. I didn't understand Liza. Now that I've watched this, I completely understand yeah. Liza. There's another great thing I found where she's doing this number with Mikhail Baryshnikov and he's just looking at her with, like, awe and adoration. And I just – I feel like – so that – 
took me like for two oh hours God. down Liza Minnelli. It's like, I still oh, no, can't get over it. I know, it is you, quite strange. I've so seen Joel her, Grey. I've seen like, her sing yeah. um, Cabaret, mm, obviously, yeah. Mm. But yeah, Joel Grey, I know who he is. I know he's the father of okay. the girl in Dirty Dancing. You but, do you do need to see it. Yeah. Uh, it okay. is like, it's of all the musicals that I've seen, not as many as you have, it is the most spiky, politically interesting, clever, wow. outrageous. It is like a, a kind of, sort of pastiche of Nazism. It is like, my God, it's incredible. It's, okay. You, yeah. Okay. I, I think you would like it. Okay. I need to um, – it really is a gigantic hole in my – I mean, I've just got, you know, yeah. I've got no cred really. It's, yeah. That. It's – um, so look, so Holston, oh, yeah, God, I just, wow. unfortunately, I just got. You can't stop to Google, mate. Like that's just, oh, you know, well, how it's can a you trap. Because they show the dresses though. Well, like, well, what about end. the model who's his muse? I've had to, I've done an extensive Google yeah, of her Tiffany's, as well. yeah. yeah. Um, look, here's the thing. I didn't have to do that because I actually, um, a year or two ago, watched the Holston movie. Like there was, a, oh. there was a, there was a movie version of it, right? Like, so this is a series. Yeah. So I. What is it in the ether where all of a sudden everybody's making a you know Winston Churchill movie oh, or series? Or Truman or Capone, and I'm like, yeah, two came right? out at the same time. How does that happen? I don't know. It's but anyway, um, so I watched the Holston movie and on a plane once a couple of years ago. Loved it. Totally interested. Oh my god, I didn't know much about Holston at all. Fascinating. And I think I d- got all my googling out of the way then. And so I've been able to relax with popcorn oh, and work, great. like so I'm like I know what it. happens. Right. And so I've been able to just massively, you know, um, enjoy. You and McGregor is an unbelievable actor. Like, yeah, he's he, great. I agree. Yeah. He, um, He's he is excellent. He's ridiculously talented. Yeah, I agree. And he's I not agree. one of those actors who you know who are great but are essentially the same person um, yeah. every time. Like he is a true reinventor. He he did star in one of my most hated films of all mm-hmm. time though, Moulin Rouge. Oh yeah, okay, fair enough. Did he you was hate a, that? Well, he was a dill in Moulin Rouge. I'd hated a dill. Just everything about that except mm. the look of it. Oh yeah, well I mean costumes were oh, amazing. Spot uh, he, on. Like yeah, I I just. But did you get that feeling that everybody at the end of that movie thought that they could actually sing? Yeah, and I they think couldn't. That, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. It was, yeah. It's a real trap. I reckon that's real banana skin to fall into if you're an actor who can sort of sing a bit and then you get all sort of. <laughs> or even for a journalist also. For instance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can play the piano a bit. Hey, Jimmy no. Barnes, would you like yeah, to do a number God. with me? Seen it's it happen. A, yeah. No, seen it happen. Um, but Holston is just, um, like, it's it's informative it's told me a lot about that era in fashion it is a great example of how a creative genius can just completely destroy themselves by just making bad decisions and you know kind of not being interested in the legal ramifications or the business ramifications yeah. of decisions that they've made that's where you need that's where you hope that people get surrounded by people who are really good at that stuff who then free up the creative person to do what they're actually good mm. at um, in much the same way that we're liberated yes. to do the brilliance of this podcast while others <laughs> handle the actual production and getting it out to the to the masses. Thanks, I, team. <laughs> um, the other thing that I've just started Whilst watching... you're just high on cocaine the whole time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's very right. much like the Holston thing. Just, I mean, that's the thing about sales. I mean, we all cover up, but like... Constantly got just oh, an absolute hose pipe up her nose. You know, yeah. That's right. Chris just, always jokes. After we saw um, that Judy Garland film with Renee Selvig, 
Chris was joking about how he had this whole riff about how he has to come into the green room at 7.28 every night and slap my face and go, get out there, get yourself together, get out there. That I just go on set, sort of, you know, off my face and perform after he's shoved me into my suit. Yes. Got a whole well, roof yeah. on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we've got your back. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, I've started watching, after a bit, again being told by many people to watch it, Call My Agent. Oh. Have you watched that French no. show? Okay, it's on uh, Netflix. It's, I've never been nagged about that one. Is it particularly My a My friend Lisa Miller particularly thing? likes it and has particularly rammed home to me that I need to watch it. Oh, well, it. She's, she, she, she knows my thoughts on Sex and the City, so she's cut me off for recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she will have. Um, it's set in a French... Um, agency, like, you know, agents to film stars, basically. Yeah. And so it's the behind the scenes of them having to manage their high maintenance actors and yeah. all of the rest of them. I'm only oh, two good. episodes in, but I'm really liking it. Um, it's subtitled. So, again, you've got to have your wits about you. You can't be right. using your phone or whatever at the or same time. Or just high as a kite. But Lisa, Lisa claims it gets better and better. And then they start having cameos of real life actors. Oh, in fantastic. fact, um, what's his name from the Bureau, the main guy? Guillaume? Is that the character's name? I can't remember the character's name. Mate, I haven't seen Paul. a second of the Bureau. <laughs> still have you still not it. watched any of the still not watched one frame of it, no. Oh, Christ. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'm you just, go I'm watch Cabaret into the wind here. and I will commence le bureau. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just... <sighs> what? You just make me want to cry. Like, <laughs> But, you know, it's actually become an ancillary pleasure to me to watch your just... Oh, she's got tears in her eyes. She's such a weirdo. <laughs> but, like, I know that... I mean, you and I know that eventually I'll watch it and I'll just be like, oh, my God, but, you're, but it's amazing. And you'll just like, be massively annoyed. It's like this beautiful gift that I'm trying to give you and it's just I like know. you just keep like giving, put it, leaving it unwrapped in the corner and going, I'll open it later, I'll open it later. It's like, just open it now. I've got your birthday present here, by the way. It's months after your birthday. But because <laughs> for I didn't give it to you while, you know, it was your actual birthday because the budget was on. You're like, I can't bear anyone being the time. kind to me. I don't have the stress to open a birthday. It's too stressy to open a birthday present. I can't possibly, can't possibly deal with that stress at the moment. Um, I'll tell you something, one other thing that I absolutely dispatched at high speed recently, mm-hmm. and that is um, the Dominique Strauss-Kahn documentary. Yeah, what's it called? Uh, it's called Room. Oh, it's called Room. Two, I don't want to get the numbers wrong. Two eight oh six. Two eight oh six. Room two eight oh six. I forgot which room it happened in. And just remind people who he is. Uh, so he he was the former head of the IMF that was you know gained huge world fame um, during the global financial crisis because you know he suddenly became a highly significant person, and he was in twenty eleven. Um, also sizing up to run for the presidency of France, his home country. And Nicolas Sarkozy was kind of unpopular and he was, you know, firming as the socialist candidate. And he was like part of a power couple. He was on his third wife. She was like a powerful television journalist and um, Anna Sinclair was her name. And um, so he was like kind of one of the most famous people in the world. Um, and in 2011, he was in New York staying at the Softel Hotel and um, the head of security rang 911 from the Sofitel and said, we have um, a sexual assault that's occurred. Um, one of our staff, um, a maid, has been assaulted by one of our big name guests. And it turned out to be Dominique Strauss-Kahn. He was arrested. Um, and um, 
thrown into prison straight away, charged. Um, he went to Rikers Island for a couple of weeks before being kind of released on, you know, $5 million bail or something. Um, anyway, so this series is really an account. It starts with that 911 call, but then it kind of zooms backwards and forwards through history, you know, introducing you to who this guy is and the things about him that came out after this you know, oh, right. allegation was made. Because it then emerged that um, a, um, a a young journalist and writer had several years later accused him of attacking her, you know, in a one-on-one interview. And then all this stuff came out about how he was massively into swingers clubs and then, you know. Anyway, with the actual case, um, and it, it kind of, looking back, it's kind of like the little... S- first seed of the Me Too movement, right? Because this woman was um, an immigrant. She was a refugee. She was a cleaner. She had not strong English. There were conspiracy theories immediately that there were, that this was a plot that was sort of somehow sponsored by Sarkozy to bring down a DSK as he was known. Um, The head, you know, somebody high up in the Sofitel, which is a French-owned hotel group, was good mates with with Sarkozy or something. like. And there was also um, CCTV footage of the two security guards who'd interviewed this woman doing a kind of victory dance after, like, the call to police was made. So there was all this, like, oh, my God, what's going on? And then people went to work on the maid um, and all this stuff came out about, well, you know, She'd um, told mixed stories and um, untruths about her um, about her uh, in the course of her application for um, asylum status in the United States. Anyway, it got to this sort of massive crescendo of uh, conflicting um, conspiracy theories. And at the moment when the case was to be brought to trial, the DA actually dropped it and said, look, we're not mm. confident enough about you know, our interactions with this woman. We're not convinced enough of her truthfulness in general to ask a jury to believe her. And so it kind of like exploded, wow. right? Like they, the prosecutor said, we're not going to prosecute this case because... We um, we're asking for all charges to be dropped because we have reservations about this person's truthfulness. And then what happened? Well, then she sued him um, privately oh. and got a lot of money. Oh, so um, you know, lower standard of proof. Anyway, but I mean, DSK did not go on to become. Yeah, I was going to say I don't feel like I've seen him do anything for a long right. Time. So he kind of went into this. I mean, I think he was still, you know, sort of being a consultant or whatever. He was, wasn't being a public figure anymore. And then he was arrested, like, um, a couple of years later on charges of pimping because he was involved in this sort of – allegedly involved in this sort of sex club. Anyway, I don't know. It, the whole series <laughs> well, tells you so much about um, just French society and um, – French people's grappling with this idea of, um, you know, whether a politician's private life and their sexual habits is actually, you know, relevant. Is it appropriate to be published and talked about? There's and is heaps. this a series or a doco? It's a series. Oh, series. Yeah, okay. so a doco series. Okay. Um, it's on Netflix. Um, and um, so 
you get this quite intriguing look at how the US political system works in uh, kind of comparison to the French political system. They've got like, it's a French made documentary. There's um, a lot of interviews with um, French friends of DSK's um, journalists and so on. It's just a, like, I remember, um, I remember those allegations, but when I started watching the series, I honestly, I couldn't remember how it ended up. I remember that it sort of went away in some weird way. Yeah. But I, yeah, I, I, it's, it's got the vaguest kind of, I think I might have even been in the States when it happened. It's got like a... Yeah. Um, um, I remember being in a hotel in New York and looking down and seeing this massive crowd of people. And it was a protest group, like protesting against DSK. I think it was where he was staying. Or, right. Anyway, like, um, but Interestingly, the um, the series also interviews um, Nafi Diallo, who's the who's the maid in question, um, and so she's reflecting on you know what happened and how it all kind of unspooled and the like um, ramifications it had for her life and so on. But mm. it's interesting because I I don't um, that seems a long time ago, but looking back, it kind of it was. Almost the precursor, I think, to the Me Too mo- movement. Interesting. Mm. Um, now I'm starting to run out of time. Oh boy, I've got okay. to get going. All right. um, so I even wanted to mention one other thing really mm. briefly, which was um, I went to Canberra to see. I'm not sure how long it's on for the Australian Love Stories. Well, I didn't go to see it. I popped in. There's an exhibition at the National Portrait Gallery called Australian Love Stories. It's so great. It's um, all sorts of high-profile, like, romantic relationships, friendships oh. and just portraits like paintings, photographs, all sorts of artwork. It's so beautifully curated and done. It's really superb and I just really – I love the National Portrait Gallery and I just really enjoyed it. Um, I love looking at – one of the things I really like about it is because say when you're talking to somebody, you don't usually just study their face really closely. You're sort mm. of moving your eyes around. Mm. I love looking at portraits of people where you just have a really good close-up sticky beak at their face. And so it's great. Um, it's really enjoyable on that kind of level. But, gee, there's some beautiful photos in there. There's a really wonderful one of Stan Grant and Tracy Holmes taken by Nick Walker. There's a famous and lovely one of um, Bob Hawke and Blanche Del Perche, I think by Peter Brew Bevan. I hope I'm not getting that wrong. Um, is it just? It's, it's not just own. photography, though, is it? No, it's, no. Yeah, there's cause... beautiful portraits as well. Um, some of which you, you'll know straight away. Some of which you won't. Um, so if you're in Canberra, I highly recommend popping in. It was superb. Oh, that reminds me. I've been watching um, on the ABC Finding the Archibalds. Uh, Finding the Archibald. Yep. Um, which is Rachel Griffith's show. Um, it's on the ABC, it's on iView. And it's such a, like, it's a lovely, reflective show. She just basically goes and, in, and finds portraitists and subjects from the Archibalds over the years, over its, like, long history, and interviews both. And you kind of end up with this um, really lovely kind of, examination of what it's like to be painted and what it's like to try and capture somebody by just looking at them and applying a brush to canvas. And also just this sense of what happens to portraits as well after they've been in the Archibald, right? Like, so there's some that she has trouble tracking down because, like, you see them pop up sometimes, you know, in um, art auctions. I love going to art auctions and watching people. But, like, you know, and some portrait will pop up and – 
you'll think, oh, I wonder how it got here or who bought right. it originally. Apparently people do buy them. I mean... Of themselves or... Well, no, people buy them of other people. Oh, I see. I mean, okay. and I don't know. I've, you know, um, my parents bought the Archibald one uh, of me from oh, last did they? year. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So um, I think it, it, by Jordan Richardson, it's one right. of me holding a bay leaf and looking stern. Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And right. they said um, that they're going to hang it somewhere in a room where they'll go when they want to feel judged. <laughs> See, I don't, I don't know what happened to the one of me. And I, you know, Mira, who um, painted it, who is Mira Whale, who's a really wonderful artist. Um, it's a lovely portrait, but I personally would not want a portrait of myself in my house. Because I feel like it'd be sort of. Icky. What about if its eyes just moved, <laughs> following you? Yours is lovely though. It's that blue, very reflective. It is, but I just don't. Beautiful. Wanna, I just feel like I put it in your children's like room. Narcissist to have <laughs> just, a portrait of myself in my house. Right. So yeah. I wouldn't want to do it. But then also, if you got offered offered it, then it would seem like rude to not have it. And then I thought, well, what's the etiquette? Am I supposed to buy it? Or so I didn't. I, I didn't know. know what I don't to think do. anyone tells you the rules. Yeah. Um, when we, but then when Paul we, Mirror's probably stuck with it. She's probably. She's like, like oh great, I don't want bloody Lisa. I'll put it with my bloody Hopefully she's painted portrait. over it and just put a different. Um, you know. <laughs> I remember when we filmed with Corey Bernardi for Kitchen Cabinet, I was like, I spent seriously half an hour trying to convince him to let us film in his bedroom because there was a portrait of him in there um, with like, it was his marital bedroom um, with like, and there was sort of like, it was, he looked really messianic in this portrait and there were like sunbeams emitting around his head. So it looked like the sun was literally shining out of his ass. We were making jokes about it. I'm like, come on, let us fill this room. And he's like, oh, no, it's too creepy. And uh, <laughs> to my lasting regret, he never, he won. He wouldn't let us in there. But I mean, yeah, bedroom, there's an idea. Um, anyway, the series it's is really great. I'm, okay. And also, it's also really interesting to watch Rachel Griffith's not being an actor, like, mm -hmm. because she's being a person. She's very smart. And also her mother was an artist, so oh. she has this sort of, I don't know, she's she's really good at it, you know, because sometimes you see actors doing things where you're like, oh, you know, are you acting? She's not. She's just being herself and she's so commanding on screen. Like she's just such a dramatic and engaging person that it really – you know, it really imbues the series with energy and oh. insight. Yeah, it's great. All right. Oh, I must have a yeah, must have a look at it. Now I seriously do need to go. Oh, okay then. Sorry to it. Sod off then. <laughs> see ya. <laughs> go watch Cabaret. You <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe I should try yeah. and watch that before I next see you. Yeah. It does seem like, Honestly, it doesn't, doesn't seem take like long. Missing part it's, of my education. It's gold. Okay. All, All right. right. See ya. Bye-bye.